Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. I'm originally from California, but we moved to Texas for my dad's career opportunity. And I just remember being the only woman, the only black person, a lot of my gifted and AP classes. And unfortunately, I experienced just a lot of discrimination, a lot of racism, a lot of insecurity. And there were moments of time where I often didn't feel like I was good enough. You know, I, I would run home crying every day. I don't know if people watch the movie Mean Girls, but it's a scene where Lindsay Lohan is eating um, her lunch in the, cafe, in, in the restroom by herself. That, that was me. Deep pain, deep isolation, deep exclusion. And, you know, it was a moment in time where my mom, you know, stepped in and was very concerned and really motivated me to figure out what I wanted to do. Did I want to keep moping and being depressed or did I want to take charge of my life and my community? And so with that pain really fueled me to create a minority heritage club in my high school. It's still in existence to today, but really deeply just created this curiosity of life and people and how people think and why they think the way they think. And I think that to actually have that experience on being the other side of exclusion, that's why I have such a love for people because I vowed to myself, I never want anyone to ever feel what I felt in those moments in middle school and high school. And so for me, my kind of life's calling is one, to give voice to people, but also just to allow people to have positive experiences. Because I remember a lot of the negative experiences that, you know, deeply ingrain the sense of purpose that I have now. That was the voice of Barbara Furlow Smiles. Now, Barbara and I met in an interesting way, which you'll find out very soon. But I really, really love her story of turning pain to triumph. I feel like in this time, many of us are in similar situations where we are experiencing pain of some shape, of some sort, and we're wondering what we can do and how we can see the silver lining out of this. And through Barbara's story, I hope that you can find and chart a course towards victory, towards deliverance, and, and towards just clarity for yourself. Her story is, uh, is, is one in which she identified things that she didn't like was happening to her as a kid and then used those moments to create better opportunities for others. Hope you can do the same. And I hope you enjoyed the episode. I, I will leave opportunities for you to connect with her in the show notes. But as always, feel free to engage, feel free to share, and feel free to let us know how you feel. Enjoy the episode.
Welcome, everybody, to another episode of As Told by Nomads. And today's guest is Barbara Furlow Smiles. She's the Global Engagement and Internal Resource Group Program Manager at Facebook. Am I right? Yes. <laughs> she, has extensive, she has an extensive and strategic background in diversity and employee resource group management with well over 10 years of experience. In her previous role as manager for diversity and inclusion at MTV Networks in New York, she led the diversity strategy for internal engagement and employee affinity groups domestically and globally, including offices in London, Miami, Los Angeles, Nashville, New York, and Washington, D.C. She was named the Employee of the Month out of 15,000 employees people in 2013 for being the most inclusive employee. In her past role as Program Manager for University Relations and Diversity at Cox Communications in Atlanta, she managed full life cycle recruitment for two programs. I am so excited to have one of my favorite people on the planet to discuss all things diversity and inclusion, as well as her journey to where she is today. Welcome to the show, Barbara. Thank you. What a wonderful introduction. I feel so special. <laughs> you should, because you are. And, and you also make people feel special. But I, <laughs> that's the truth. That's the truth. But I thought it'd be interesting if we started off talking about how we met. I, I know that you uh, definitely like sharing that story, but... Yeah. That was a social media story, so I'll let you lead. Yeah. Well, thank you, Kyle. Um, it's so fascinating for me. I share with a lot of folks when I meet with them, do workshops, and uh, talk about just like networking and, and the power of building community. I mean, I've been, it's my life's calling. I've been doing this for 10 plus years. But what I do personally, I like to share the story of how, you know, every year people have. A, a new year's resolution, right? Like lose 10 pounds, gain this new skill. Uh, for me, I, I always have a resolution of meeting new people. And one of the ways I do that is I like to learn and grow from folks who are like doing it better than me or that I can aspire to be like. And so I have started this um, kind of cool secret of going on LinkedIn LinkedIn for the past two years around the, the start of the new year. And I just literally look at people's profiles and um, look at stories and, and um, just great work that they publish. And lo and behold, how name popped up. Um, <laughs> and I just remember just looking at some of the stories you have published and being so intrigued, but one being really connected to you. And I remember when I was reading it, I was like, wow, my story is similar. You know, you talk a lot about using your difference to make a difference that stuck with me. Um, and you shared your personal story. And so lo and behold, I messaged you. And to be quite honest, I didn't think he would respond. I, if you did, I was like, oh, he'll respond probably six months. Who really checks this, right? <laughs> what? Within, what, two hours? Not even that immediate response fast forward to what six to seven months later and i am interviewing you for your book for a book tour so so how awesome um is that and we've been fast friends ever since when you've helped me on some pretty big milestones um and accomplished some great things just with your help and you know i, I like to share that story 
because I like to showcase that a simple connection by sending a message can go a long way. I think sometimes we overcomplicate networking and community building or we use and let fear get in the way. Like yeah. had I just said, oh man, he's not gonna respond and never re like reached out, right? Oftentimes it takes that first step, that first push, which is on us. That's true, that's true, wow. You're way too kind, first of all, but the audience doesn't know how awesome you are. They might have just heard what you said, you know, uh, with your story. But in the bio, as you can see, you know, Barbara is someone that's eternally curious and, and she downplays a lot of her success. And the thing that attracted me to, to even your, your profile when I got the email was just how passionate you were about people development. You know, sometimes... You know, I get a lot of emails and I'm sure you get the same, but when you meet people who truly lead with the idea of trying to get the most out of people and you, at the time you actually, you still were at Facebook, if I remember correctly. And you yes, were talking, yeah, you were talking to me about that. And I was like, okay, this is uh, this is not what you typically hear from people in big tech companies. So I, I wanted to really understand and uh, diving into your story more and more. We really got to really bond and connect because you're right. We did have a lot of similarities. Now, as far as the audience, the audience is probably wondering, I've been hearing we had you, you two have a lot of similarities. Well, tell us how your childhood played a role into what you're doing today. Yeah. So for me, you know, we talked a lot about, and this is where we became best friends is this term of using your pain for your purpose. So for me, I am the product of, to amazing loving parents who, who raised and trained us to be the best that we can be. Unfortunately, we just so happened to be in Texas during my formative years from middle school and high school, and I was amongst people who didn't see that in me, like my parents did. You know, I'm originally from California, but we moved to Texas for my dad's career opportunity, and I just remember being the only woman, the only black person, a lot of my gifted and AP classes. And unfortunately, I experienced just a lot of discrimination, a lot of racism, a lot of insecurity. And there were moments of time where I often didn't feel like I was good enough. You know, I, I would run home crying every day. I don't know if people watch the movie Mean Girls, but it's a scene where Lindsay Lohan is eating um, her lunch in the, cafe, in, in the restroom by herself. That, that was me deep pain, deep isolation, deep exclusion. And, you know, it was a moment in time where my mom, you know, stepped in and was very concerned and really motivated me to figure out what I wanted to do. Did I want to keep moping and being depressed or did I want to take charge of my life and my community? And so with that pain really fueled me to create a minority heritage club in my high school. It's still in existence to today, but really deeply just created this curiosity of life and people and how people think and why they think the way they think. And I think that to actually have that experience on being the other side of exclusion, that's why I have such a love for people because I vowed to myself, I never want anyone to ever feel what I felt in those moments in middle school and high school. And so for me, my kind of life's calling is one, to give voice to people, but also just to allow people to have positive experiences. Because I remember a lot of the negative experiences that 
you know, deeply ingrained the sense of purpose that I have now. Yeah, it's like the classic superhero story. You, you went through something <laughs> and you said, never again. I. Yo, we need to make a movie out of it, pal. That's exactly it. Yeah. Right the script. <laughs> that's exactly. But I, I, I love that. In, in, and that's what I was saying when I was talking earlier. The reason I, I think we even bonded so quickly is because a lot of times people go through certain things in their childhood and, and in their formative years, but not everyone, at least in my experience, vows to make sure that no one else feels that way. Sometimes you can go the other way and say, well, this is how the world is. Screw it. I'm just going to do me or, or make sure I don't like anybody else that looks like this person. And, you know, for me, I'm always interested in diving into why you then decided to make that a global mission, because that's a big thing. At that point, that becomes something bigger than you. It's not just you now. It's like, well, I did, this happened to me in my formative years. I want to make sure that no other black person or marginalized person feels like they are alone. So that mindset is what I want to dive into. Well, what do you think it is about your upbringing that, that got you there? You know, that's a great question. And I have really been paying a lot of thought into that. I think, I, you know, I can't take all the credit. I am privileged, one, yeah. to be raised by amazing parents. Uh, to family, household, two-parent household, um, middle class, right? And my dad, I think job profession is really what sparked that kind of cultural curiosity. Um, so he worked for the airlines. And at a very young age, we had the, the privilege and ability to hop on planes. I mean, we flew for free. Um, so every month, we would get to fly to a different state. Every summer, we were in some beach from Hawaii, Mexico. And I just remember being on these planes, like, wow, the ability to take a, a couple hour flight and be in a whole different frame of living with different people kind of really sparked my um, curiosity for people to know that it was is much more beyond Texas. And I think that's why my parents did that, to showcase that even though we're living here, you can always create a life outside of Texas. This wasn't the end all be all. Um, and to be honest with you, when I went to college, I think really what started that crazy with a global mindset is when I, I studied abroad in South Africa for my junior year at Spelman College and at the University of Cape Town. And for me, this was the first time out of, college, uh, out of the country by myself. Um, everyone was scared. Everyone thought I was crazy, but it was something I was also called and compelled to do. And I think for me going there, I realized that one, the U S is not the smartest folks here. Like I'm telling you, I met people from all parts of the world that were educating me on like U S history. And so one that kind of was like, okay, that humbled me and I got really competitive. Um, but what I saw there was that there was such diversity. And that's another thing. I think we have a lot of misconceptions and stereotypes of other countries. And when I went to South Africa, to be quite honest, I had my naivety of like, oh, it's going to be all black, right? Little do I know, it was probably the most diverse setting I've ever been in. People from all walks of life were there. And I just learned so much from them. Um, and I was really impressed. And so it just really created this continual search and 
thirst um, for understanding different cultures, understanding history, um, understanding just the way people think and operate. Right after that, I didn't want to stop. And my, and my parents were begging me, just, can you stay home for the summer? I then decided to volunteer abroad in Costa Rica. And again, didn't know anyone. I went with a program to, to, to teach young children Spanish. You know, I took Spanish in middle school and high school, but I was by no means fluent. So there's another kind of risk-taking aspect yeah. in my life um, that I, I'm just, for me, I will put myself out there if it's to aid growth and learning. That's a, I that's just a, have a natural growth mindset. You do, you do. And, 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 and that's, and that's a, an amazing thing to cultivate because I think once it was just opened as a childhood and you realize that there was a world of possibility, it's like you just said. I need to know more. And uh, did you, at that point, know that you were going to be in diversity and inclusion when you were in Costa Rica and doing all these things? You know, I did not. I, I, another thing that I tell folks is I never really had, like, this is what I'm going to do. Like, you know how people, and this is no offense and no judgment to people who, who have their life mapped out, but I was never one that was like, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a lawyer. I, one thing I did know was my mom was very, very um, adamant that I had a energetic uh, job that allowed me not to be at my desk. So, you know, I loved math when I was in high school and I, I did think I was gonna be an accountant. And she said, oh, hell no. You have too much energy, Barbara, to <laughs> stay at your desk. You need a job where you're interfacing with people. So that's it. That's all I knew that was the, only thing that was on my mind. Um, but for me, when I think back around my opportunities, they came because I was willing to share kind of my passion. And I was willing to uh, take a chance on myself. I was willing to make myself uncomfortable. I was comfortable with being uncomfortable. I, you know, studied abroad in South Africa. I volunteered abroad in Costa Rica. I earned at different places to find out what I liked and didn't like. And I think also I took a lot of initiative. And so, you know, I landed my diversity journey at MTV Networks. I had no um, background in media. I was a political science major at Spelman. Um, when I went to study abroad in South Africa, I, I, I changed. Well, not changed. I added to my major because I started um, a magazine because I was still so interested in people and then that sparked my love of media but I think what also happened was when I was in South Africa MTV uh, channels were all over and that was the only way people knew like American culture and then black culture right and so that those are stories in and of itself and I was like wow I want to work for a company that has that far of a reach. So I've always been driven by um, working with, with, at places that are impact, that have purpose, that had a global reach. And so, you know, I marched into my Spellman's career service and I remember staying there for like five hours and looking at every internship and job opportunity that I had when I came back. And lo and behold, I saw crumbled up in a corner, an MTV summer associate application. Now, mind you, political science major, goals was to go on the White House. This was for uh, President, uh, First Lady Michelle Obama was there, right? But 
The goal was to go in the White House and make impact. And I saw the opportunity applied, not even thinking I would get it, to be quite honest with you. And I got it. And it's been a shock still to my family, these opportunities that I get. But that's why I said earlier, it's that it's not always um, having a, a script to your life or doing everything so perfect, a check in the box. I think a lot of the uh, ingredients are initiative, risk-taking, curiosity, you know, grit. I had all of those ingredients and uh, lo and behold, I ended up working starting at the VH1 Public Affairs and how I started my career in diversity at MTV Networks was during one of the programs. We had a meet and greet with HR um, professionals where we got to meet them and share our story. And for me, I always talk about intentional conversation, not just small talk, but intentional conversations. And so whenever I opened my mouth for those six weeks, I'd always talk about, I love to travel. I love diversity. I studied abroad in South Africa. I was in Costa Rica. So people started to, um, I guess, build my reputation and, and know me for the girl that loves diversity, loves to be, you know, in different countries. And then the opportunity came up for the first ever diversity department. And guess who they called? Me. Wow. I didn't apply. They called me. Why? Because it was at one of the events that they were part of. One of the HR professionals remembered my story of South Africa and Costa Rica and saw my passion. And so I share that because I also tell folks, you may not know where your next opportunity is coming. But what you need to do is showcase and be clear on what it is that drives you, what's that passion, what's that purpose, so that you can help guide folks when opportunities do present itself, that they immediately think of you. That is what I've always been clear on. Yeah, I mean, that's why I love your story. It just shows that there isn't one path you know, to, to get there. And a lot of what you did was show up. You followed your curiosity, you showed up, you put yourself out there. And even when you were talking about being in positions where you didn't quite know Spanish or you didn't know the full history, or you went in there with a preconceived notion, you then opened your mind to a possibility of different options. And maybe the way we are conditioned today when it comes to jobs and, and seeing ourselves, we have a, a fixed mindset and you think if you don't do it this way, then it's a failure. It doesn't sound like you did that. Yeah, no, I love that the show up. I'm going to use that one. Yeah. Exactly <laughs> and I continue to show up. I think, but you know what I think it is though? I think I talked about earlier the fear. I think the fear stops people from even showing up. Yeah. Even making that first call, even sending that first email, right? Yeah. I think once you get past that fear, so, so I'm fearless, right? My, my whole philosophy is like, what's the worst that could happen? A no? I can deal with a no, right? <laughs> um, but I also think it's mindset. What is your mindset? That is true. That is true. What is your mindset? And, and when you're showing up, you don't just show up as one person. You show up as all your intersections. You know, you show up as a, as a mother, as, as, as a black woman as a wife, as a sister, someone who is passionate about multiple things because you're passionate about other things beyond 
diversity, equity, and inclusion. So why do you just show all your, all your, all aspects of yourself? Cause we've had multiple discussions and you've told me about your multiple interests. And I know that for some people in your position, they might feel limited if they start to show other aspects of themselves because they could feel like maybe it would, I guess, cannibalize that opportunity or it would appear like they're unfocused or not serious. Why do you show up the way you are with the other aspects of yourself that maybe people suppress? Oh, so that's such a great question. Um, there are many intersections of being a black woman, right? Uh-huh. That's race, that's gender. Then you layered being a mom, that's, you know, parenthood, then a wife, right? Like, so there's so many aspects of me. And I think I had to make the conscious decision of not neglecting any part of me. I think in just the world we live in, there are so many stereotypes and preconceived notions of how we should be. As women, that's one, in a patriarchal society. Um, as a Black person, that's one. Yes. Um, of a mother, there's another one. Of a wife, there's a, it's like all of these kind of pressures to be. And I, I realize if I don't take char- charge and design my life the way I want, then I would, I would be in for a rude awakening and be in a deep depression. Uh. Um, and so for me, it was like do or die, literally. And I was more so excited about what if I eradicated all these stereotypes and was so authentically me, but then also show folks how you can be as well. Because one of the things I, I, I understand to be true is a lot of people say that you can't be what you can't see, right? And so with doing my work, I think we all have to do our work to heal. Um, with doing the work to heal, whether it was family legacies, ancestors, et cetera, the traumas that they passed down, was I understand my ancestors who you know, really drove home. You have to be the best you could be. You have to be perfect. You don't have a lot of options because for them, think about in their times, they were getting lynched, right? They were getting killed. Yeah. If they stepped outside of the norm. So what I want to say is I understand why then they pass down to their children and their children pass down to their offspring, right? I get it. But I think the reality is once you heal and recognize um, the time and place that they were in, you, you then feel empowered to heal. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. 
Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. That pass, but then also to make a new one. Because we are in different times. And I think once I healed that and saw that, I didn't judge my grandma. I didn't put a right or value system on my mom and dad when they would tell me things. I took it for what it was. I also reframed and said, that was their time and their moment. We have a, I'm in a different time and I'm in a different moment. And maybe they need to see, because they've never seen it, what that looks like. And so I actually took a lot of my intersections as an opportunity to show people what good could look like, what fun could look like what sexy could look like, right? Yeah. Um, and so for me, I'm dubbed in many of my um, close circles as like the self-care queen. And <laughs> really the reason why is this. I had the opportunity to be mentored and coached by amazing dynamite women, but who all burned out. Burned out with, you know, talk to me in confidence, their regret of not getting married, their regret of not having kids. It was always these trade-offs they had made to make it in corporate America, right? And I remember I was like, I don't want that. So I always saw what I didn't want. I rarely saw what I did want. And I was like, why don't I be that example for someone, right? For myself. And so I just remember saying, I don't want these type of trade-offs. I think you can have it all, not all at the same time, but there could be win-win situations, right? Um, and so I just very early on knew who I was, knew what I liked, knew what I didn't like. I knew I wanted to have a family. I knew I wanted to be married. I knew I also wanted to stay in corporate America. I knew I wanted to, um, be in the space of diversity and community building. And I just made that known from every job interview to ever, to every manager one-on-one, like people knew what they were getting with Barbara. And I use this term unapologetic. I use that a lot because if you don't know thyself, how do we expect other people to know us? Mm. How do we expect other people to show up and treat us if we don't even share um, aspects of ourselves and what we will allow and don't allow, right? And, you know, for me, that takes courage, that takes boldness, that, that ultimately takes you doing your work. And I've done a lot of that work and I continue to do that work, right? Um, And so it's a journey. And I share with folks, it's not a one size fits all. But I think the first step is the willingness to be aware of yourself, aware of what drives and motivates you, aware of what you want. What's your legacy? And I think too often we don't think that far enough. We are so inundated with distractions. Um, and fear and anxiety that we're thinking one day at a time. But for me, I'm actually thinking 50 years ahead um, and, and what my legacy will be. And, and that orders my steps on how I operate and behave today. Yeah. Wow. That, this is, I feel like I'm, you know, in a Barbara furlough session here. I'm just like, whoo. <laughs> Preach. Give me- Give me some stats. Yeah, you, you have the stats. You are the stat. And, and, and that's, the, that's the amazing thing. Well, then 
I guess that leads me to this question about why companies get this wrong. Because you, you've been in this, in this game, diversity, equity, inclusion, for a long time. You've done it with media, you've done it with tech, you've done it across all industries. And I'm sure in one-on-one situations, you've heard people make complaints about the company not seeing them. And you've also heard on the executive side about them struggling to get the best out of the employees. What, what is the disconnect? You know, why aren't we able to get the most out of our, our, I guess, diverse workforce and really get them to be inclusive? Mm. Such a, such a great question. You know, I think for me, this is my personal view. This is not the view of anyone else. Um, I just feel like we kind of overcomplicate things we don't know. And I think when you don't know something, you put all types of bells and whistles on it and you want to quantify this and you want to measure this, et cetera. But you can't really measure human connections. Mm. And I think that has been the hardest thing for people in diversity of like, how do we measure success? How do we like, this is a journey. Um, This is a long, long journey. Um, Because fundamentally what you're doing in diversity and inclusion um, really is you are changing human behavior. You're looking to change mindsets. It is not as easy as a building a product um, or making a sale. What comes with diversity is so many different perspectives, so many different upbringings. I mean, this is where your story comes in, Tal, where using your difference to make a difference, right? You got people from all areas of the world, all different upbringings. So we're bringing our privilege, we're bringing our pain, right? We're bringing so many different aspects of ourselves. We're bringing our biases, right? and so when you bring all of that together, that's why I tell folks, you know, diversity and inclusion, the purpose is not for people to feel comfortable, by the way. I always, when I do any workshop and I do any training, I always tell folks, really what I'm trying to get y'all to do is be aware, aware of your bias, aware of your privilege, because we all have privilege, by the way. It's just not white privilege, but aware of what comes with you. What are the ingredients that make you? And then how do you check yourself, right? That's hard work. And I think with diversity and inclusion, to be successful, you got to be willing to get vulnerable. That's it. You got to be willing to face some hard truths, right? And you have to be willing to say, I don't know. But you know what? I'm willing to go on this journey and step in your shoes. I'm willing to seek first to understand. I'm willing to look stupid in some spaces where I, I'm supposed to be the one that has all the answers, but it's okay. I'll be vulnerable, right? Um, so it's a lot of hard work that comes with diversity and inclusion. And the reality is this, is that people from all, all walks of life are in different stages of this journey. And it's not one that you can force. Um, it's also not one that you can um, pressure, right? There are different things that you can do, um, strategies to enforce equity um, and different, you know, programs and, and processes and, you know, infrastructure, et cetera. But I just think overall, just diversity and inclusion, if, if you're not willing to do your work, if you're not willing to get comfortable with being uncomfortable and facing some hard truths, then you'll never move the needle. It will be cookie cutter. You know, yeah. but you, you have to be willing to get cutting edge. You have to be willing to speak out. 
you have to, I always, we have this uh, term I call real talk. We got to all be ready for real talk because it's the only way we're going to have courageous conversations to move the needle. I couldn't agree more. And when I work with companies, it's the same thing. I, I would often ask them, you know, if they're willing to look in the mirror and be okay with whatever shows up. Because a lot of times, you know, this thing can be performative. You know, people would bring on someone, an external consultant and say, hey, can you help us with something? And then I would say, do you just want this to be a one-time thing or do you want this to be a culture change? And if, if, you, want to, if you want it to be a culture change, are you willing to be uncomfortable with the truths that you might find out because sometimes the privilege will get activated and, and that's going to trigger a lot of people and so when you realize that hey you what's been normal for you might be infringing on someone else's ability to be themselves it can feel like an attack <laughs> to someone else but are you willing to let go of that privilege in order to make sure that the company culture improves and these are hard questions for a lot of people but uh it's, you know, every part of the company has to be willing to work on that and together. Exactly. Yeah. Huh. She's bringing in the real talk. Real talk. <laughs> I, yeah. uh, it's no. it's real. <laughs> I, I love this. So, okay. How's Facebook handling COVID-19 or any tech company? You're, you're in, the, the, in that area, the, the valley. Uh, I, I'm in New York. I know San Francisco was also hit pretty hard, but I don't know uh, what the climate is like over there with all the tech companies. And was it a freak out moment or was it like, whoa, benefits are down. Or are we going to lose everything? Or are tech companies thriving? I know a company like Zoom, where we're doing this interview now, is probably the profits are probably going through the roof because all these are virtual options. But I'm curious about tech companies and how they're adapting to, to this because you can't let company culture fall by the wayside and you still have to be inclusive, but you have to deal with new realities. Yeah, no, I, I think in general, I mean, this is a pandemic. I don't think I can state that enough. I think it has, uh, COVID-19 has disrupted every aspect of people's lives. Um, I have not met anyone. Show me who they are if you've met them. I have not met anyone who said, no, I'm not affected at all, right? Um, so I think not even just tech companies, right? Like I just think outside of working, like even personal life, like I, you know, I talk about my intersection, being a, a working mom, like there's no daycare. Like that's where I'm losing it, right? Like yeah. I have my four-year-old at home while I work. Um, not only do I have to take care of her, but I also have to teach her, right? These are even like three or four jobs that we've added layered on, you know, with your core role. And, and so I just think, you know, there are so many different layered aspects of COVID-19 that I am proud that my company has looked at. Um, you know, I have posted on LinkedIn some really cool stuff that we, we've done and continue to do um, by showing care and being there for people, um, whether it's, you know, removing the rating system for this half and let people focus on life, right? Um, giving people $1,000, right, to um, take care of some of the extra expenses that comes with this disruption, right? Like, so many great things. I, I just think, you know, right now, 
we were at a moment in time where we are figuring out there's now a new normal. The way in which we used to operate, live, move, travel will never be the same. And, you know, people process that information differently. People use this as an opportunity to build and hack and create. Other people use this opportunity as well just to get introspective and be quiet and still. Um, And so everyone, I think, is on their own journey of um, accepting this new normal, right? Um, I read a lot about this and I've experienced it. You know, uh, one psychologist talked about a Harvest Business Review article that what we are experiencing right now is grief. And there's different stages of grief, right? Where at first it's like denial, then you're mad and you're angry. And by the way, I went through all of this. Um, And then you become accepting to it, right? And it's like all these different stages I think everyone's going through at some capacity. You know, I've cried many nights. I think for me, the last time I cried was last week, my dad's birthday. You know, we're really close-knit family. And he lives in Vegas. And what, it's a two and a half hour drive. There were so many moments last week that I just wanted to hop in that car and risk it to see my dad, right? But I was like, nope, it's the collective versus the individual. I have a family, I have a daughter, right? Like I had to think about um, the no spread, right? Like I couldn't be selfish. And, you know, it really hit home and I was devastated, a little low key depressed that, wow, this has even affected my way of traveling outside of work. And so I just shared that to bring that up, that there is so much at play with this pandemic um, that even just outside of working and outside of just companies is that, you know, we're dealing with like a childcare crisis. We're dealing with an economic crisis. We're dealing with a job crisis. Like there's so many crises that have layered on COVID-19, right? Health crisis. I mean, you name it. Um, and so I just, uh, for me, I'm one to be at a company that gets it, um, that, that shows care and empathy, but I'm also grateful um, to be healthy, to be a sound mind, to have a family, um, the privilege, right? Yeah. Being healthy without um, any underlying health concerns or it's a privilege, right? Because it won't impact me the same way that it will with someone else, right? So sure. there's just so many different things that I've thought through with COVID-19 that, you know, for me, I reframed where I don't look at it as a crisis anymore or a pandemic. I look at it, wow, I'm stuck at home, but I'm safe. I'm not in a hospital on a ventilator. So it's okay. And that's what I literally had to do to get me out of my depression last week because I couldn't go with my dad to his birthday. I had to literally reframe and think through what was positive um, in me being shelter in place. And I know how much you like to travel and experience. You're very experiential. You're actually way, I'm, people all often think I'm an extrovert, but I'm not, I'm, an, I'm more of an ambivert. You, <laughs> you, you like to be out experiencing and out there. And I can only imagine what that's doing as well. And, and I love that you share that story because that's 
probably what many people are experiencing within a company. And so if you're thinking about diversity, inclusion, and understanding how to keep the company culture healthy, I think it's very important not to separate this very real scenario. And, and it's very important not to pretend uh, that this isn't happening. You know, leaders need to be vulnerable to address what's happening, allow employees to talk about what, what they're feeling, and also be willing to adjust and be flexible on, on what is considered a deadline, what is considered productive, and how meetings are run and, you know, how teams are run. But I also think it's important to check in. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. The only other thing I will add to, I think what this has done for me and I've seen with many community groups is this whole notion of intentional connections. I don't know about you, but like, I so value my friends better, my family more, my coworkers more. So this, this whole, like, how are you doing? That's a different question now. Yeah. You know, I think we were all kind of robotic of like, how are you doing? I'm doing great. And you keep it moving. Now I find a difference of like, no, seriously, how are you doing? And it's allowing people to get real, to be like, you know what, today I'm not doing well because I'm teaching Billy math. And I'm also trying to do this presentation. I'm a little stressed out today, right? We have allowed <laughs> ourselves permission to be, right? Yeah. I think this is a lot of the silver lining in a lot of this is, you know, we were, to me, so caught up, I know I was, on doing, human doings. Now we're human beings. We're humanizing this experience of natural feelings and emotions um, and allowing people to be vulnerable allowing and giving that permission to allow that into the workforce that I think it has been uh, to me enlightening and refreshing. Yeah, that's, ah, that's good. And, and I, and I love the fact that, you know, that you're being this vulnerable because that's the whole point. So my hope is that uh, we start to realize that we need to be more intentional. I, I know that I, that that's something that you and I agree on because we talk about being intentional versus conditioned. In, uh, in, in our interview uh, when we did the book, book tour, but also making sure that we check in and really listen. Because you're right, people, we often do the, how are you? Bye, hi, guy, bye, oh, okay, good, fine, good, everything. And now <laughs> we, we need yeah. to make sure, sometimes we'll be saying hi and we walk in past the person as we're saying hi. Um, so it's, it, it's important that we, we, we make sure we, we do that. Okay. Wow. It's okay. So you've talked about your story, your background, how you got to where you got to. And then obviously, you, you know, now you're, you're doing amazing things at Facebook and you're, you're leading several projects and you've added two other jobs, you know, being, you know, the, your own personal daycare as well as a teacher. And I, <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. And you're the self-care queen. So I can imagine how <laughs> creative you've had to figure out. You're like, Oh gosh. You're like, okay. Uh, husband, hubby, this is your, you gotta, you did, no. This oh, is <laughs> and that's the sad thing. I have not figured this out. You know, it, it's tough. Yeah. I will be honest. I, I felt, it was kind of tearful, tearful this, mo this morning. My mom reached out, sent me a text and said, listen, I know you had your way of coping because I literally would get a foot massage every week. Um, I'm always at some type of spa, some steam room. I mean, that has literally been taken away from me. And she sent me this sweet text and was like, listen, I know your way of being, your way of coping has been stripped away. 
And so just know that I'm here for you as your mom if you want to talk through creative ways. How beautiful is that? That's amazing. That acknowledgement. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm like, although, you know, for you, you're healthy and it's not your typical, what people think of like, oh my gosh, this was stripped away. But to know me and to know that I did have different aspects of me taken away in terms of self-care was just such a great acknowledgement of like, listen, I know you're probably stressed. I know you're probably dealing with a lot of things and unknown um, as I have my baby girl on my lap right now, right? Well, that's perfect. That's that's. Was you want a cameo with Imani? Yeah. But um, so so for me, I am that. That's the that's the beautiful thing about this is that I am now learning new ways of of trying to cope. And every day is not perfect, but every day I chip away at like, oh, I didn't know this, right? So yeah. I'm like missing now. Um, I'm trying to work out with my husband, although he's better than me at that. Right. So there's different things that I'm doing. I am into incense. I'm books, right. Dusting, um, things off my bookshelf and actually reading the books that I've been wanting to read for years. Right. So I'm literally realizing that this is, has been a moment of pause for me, which has been really good. Okay. Well, I'm going to ask you this question. I normally ask my guests at the end of the question, at the end of the interview, and we're basically there now, but since you are, you're saying this now, I want to know how you're using your difference to make a difference in light of COVID-19, because I imagine it's a little different. Mm, you have me stumped on this one. I got to think through this. That's fine. That's fine. Um, because I, yeah, that's, that's the point. Because normally I was like, how do you use your difference to make a difference? You know, because I asked my guests that question, but hearing you talk, I can hear that you've certainly had to make adjustments. Even your mom picked up on it. And those adjustments, as you've been raw and honest, have, have brought moments where you've felt like, you know, it was overwhelming. And then other moments you felt grateful. Yeah. You've gone through that spectrum, overwhelming, grateful, overwhelming, grateful. So it's... Yeah, no, you know, as I, thank you for buying me time to think through this, Tal. That was a good one. No, <laughs> <thank> you. <laughs> you caught that. <laughs> That's friendship there. It's like, call a friend on this one. No, you know, I, for me, have realized that during moments of crisis, it's, it's best that you be present, that you be vulnerable, hmm. right? And that you just be there. It's that simple. Wow. I, I'm not overcomplicating this. I'm not putting pressure on myself to, to, to be seen like I got it all together because the reality, I don't. And what I've realized in these moments of being present, of doing these check-ins, of um, reaching out, of sharing my story, of showing examples when, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm going through it or, or having my daughter in the meetings and you overhear her, it is giving people the permission to also be more authentic. Yeah. And so that's what I'm doing. It's giving people permission to be right now. That's all we can be. Hey, hi, what's your daughter's name? Imani, smile. Imani. <laughs> How are you doing, Imani? Well, Imani, I'm going to give you a mom after this last question. I promise you this. This is the last question. So where can we find you and what are you up to so that people can, you know, uh, get more gems from you? Oh, gosh. Wow. Uh, you know, pre-COVID-19, you know this. We were working on this. I was, like, up and running with things I wanted to do. I put those on pause. But right now, you know, 
They can find me on Facebook. They can also find me on Instagram, Barb Smiles. Um, I'm working on some things that will, you know, help me share my story more and um, help people with me. So more to come on that. I'm not ready to share yet because it's no still problem. in the baby stages. But, no you know, problem. really you can find me on social media, on LinkedIn, yeah. on Facebook, on Instagram. Um, I'm an open book and, and many people have done that after hearing me speak in different capacities and they have reached out. They can follow my lead and send me a message like I sent you, right? So yeah, yeah. very simple <laughs> way to get my attention. Well, there you have it. Barbara, Barbara Furlow Smiles, ladies, gentlemen, and gender non-binary individuals. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I know that this is a very busy time and the fact that you carved out this, this time, it means a lot to me. So I'm excited to get this out there and I know that the audience will greatly resonate with this. Thank you for having me. It was an honor and privilege. The pleasure is mine. And ladies, gentlemen, and gender non-binary individuals, till next time, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.